Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Good morning and welcome. I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad uh, that you are here for Paul's uh, return. The last by the Apostle Paul from the Holy Spirit to a young church of believers who were, who were striving to grow uh, towards maturity uh, in their faith, their, their spiritual maturity. They were also at the same time trying to avoid false teaching that was starting to creep up uh, into the church and, and even attack uh, their faith. While doing so, all the while remembering uh, that it was Christ in them, not they themselves that were trying to do this, but it was Christ who was accomplishing this spiritual progress. The theme of this study has been always, always Christ. Thus far, we've been challenged uh, with what it looks like to be all in, to be all in Christ and what is needed for our life to be all to Christ. Today, we turn our attention to what it means to be all with Christ, all with Christ. Our text for this morning is chapter three, mostly. Uh, We'll include very briefly uh, chapter four, verse one, in our outline as it connects to the preceding verses. As an overview, uh, we can say that there are three uh, summary actions, three summary actions for how we are to have a life all with Christ, all with Christ. I want you to, to kind of keep those uh, in the back of your mind as we talk through the text here over the next few minutes. Those are declare, defend, and demonstrate. Declare, defend, and demonstrate. As we uh, look to define what each of those mean, uh, declare makes a a definitive statement. It means to make a definitive statement, to say something in a solemn or emphatic, resolute kind of of manner. And defend means to resist, to resist uh, an attack that that is coming uh, at you, someone or or something, and and it's also to protect from harm or uh, danger. The third word there uh, in, in, in kind of summary action to think about this service is demonstrate, to make uh, evident. We've been talking about that. To make evident or establish by arguments or reasoning or proving, proving that something uh, is true, uh, something is authentic, something is is real. One primary focus of chapter three is that in the Christian life, the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, there must be a change in behavior, a change in behavior. This is a change from whatever we were previously before our life in Christ to what our life should look like now in Christ and with Christ. Chapter three can be a little unique because the last several verses of this chapter at first glance might not seem to fit in the rest of the flow of what Paul is is unpacking here in his message. These verses could actually be separated and often are uh, in a form of study to be examined more closely uh, in their application. And in our study today, we are going to reference them, but in context of the previous 17 verses and what Paul is is challenging there. And so we're not going to dive deep into those last couple of verses, but we'll reference them. 
What we will address is the passionate charge, the passionate charge Paul gives us through uh, this letter to realize and reckon the fact that there must be evidence from our life that we are all with Christ. We are thus all in and all to where our lives reflect a spirit, a pursuit of spiritual progress with evidence that Christ is our everything, where we can prevent the spiritual pitfalls we face and press on and press on in the provisions that we have from Christ. That was a summary of the last uh, two uh, messages uh, from Colossians chapter one and two. As we prepare for the charge today, as well as a commission next week. In this passage, Paul is uh, using comparison and contrast a lot to speak to the Colossians and to us about the change that must be evident in our life once we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and surrendered to him. There's a test involved here of whether we are truly living a new life. There must be, there has to be a visible change in our life. For our old nature is gone and we have a a new nature now being filled up not of things of this world and the ways of this world, but by the Holy Spirit. We must be consistent. We must be authentic in living this out. There are some Christians who will defend the truth at the drop of a tweet but their personal lives deny the very teachings they profess to love. My heart was grieved this week as I saw a post from a a certain two-time celebrity pastor uh, preaching again uh, that it's okay, my life does not look like Jesus, but, and and went on to justify that statement, there there should be no but. Well, because I'm pretty sure uh, that God's word says our life apart from Christ will not look like Christ. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. It does us no good as believers in Christ and gives Christ no glory to declare and to defend the truth and and authenticity of, of who Christ is supposed to be while failing to demonstrate it in our lives. The past two Sundays, uh, You have had a quick time of standing. You've been up and down for the reading of God's word as we've kind of focused in on just a couple of key verses uh, for the the reading of the text. That changes today uh, as we have a bit more to fully read. If you're physically able, please go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word as you turn in your Bibles or look on screen to Colossians chapter three, verses one through 17. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. 
But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman. But Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You may be seated and may God bless reading of his word. There is an incredible amount of action. If you go back and look through uh, those verses, it's a very action-oriented passage. There's a lot of action involved. As believers, we must actively, we must actively activate our faith on an active basis. Adjective, verb, and noun. Or we will struggle to live an authentic life with Christ. As believers, we must actively activate our faith on an active basis basis. The first few verses remind us just where we need to begin our always, always life with Christ. We take a look at verses one through four, and we see that we are to put above certain things. And in doing so, we are to think heavenly things. Verse two, the emphasis is on the believer's relationship with Christ here. We have to first know Christ before we can seek the things of Christ. The phrase, set your mind, in verse two, is a verb form in Greek, and it is in the present imperative tense. Pastor Michael, I'm not an English major, don't care. Why is this important? Why is it important? This phrase, uh, set your mind, uh, tells us a lot about how we are to be thinking about what Paul is saying here. It tells us that it means a continuous, ongoing effort is required. We are to persistently seek and keep on seeking. The act of seeking depends upon the set of mind. What we set our mind on determines our seeking and thus the direction of our Christian lives. We must have a heavenly mindset to help us stay focused on the things of Christ. We are to seek heavenly things. He says that in verse one. And there's, there's kind of this action uh, result, action result uh, scenario going on here. And it's his action, Christ's action on our behalf. We are raised with Christ in verse one. The Christian life it really is a profound reality. It draws existence, its very existence from the very center of all reality, Jesus Christ himself. God's word describes uh, this as, as Jesus being on the right hand. It's a place of power and prominence. We need to remember that, uh, that, that we are in relationship with the one who is on the right hand of God the Father. Mark chapter 14, verse 62, we see another description of that. Paul uses the word if here to emphasize a given fact. 
He is not proposing a question or, or being hypothetical here by, by saying if. He, it's, sort of, uh, it's sort of a wordplay. It's kind of like his idea of therefore. He's making a point. If so, then. Then do this, similar to the idea of therefore. As believers, we have an exalted position in Christ. We are not striving for this as with other aspects of our life that we are to strive in and grow in. But this is accomplished for us. This is accomplished for us by Christ because we can't do that ourselves. His next action is that we died with Christ. Verse three, Christ not only died for us, which is substitution, but we died with him, which is identification. We identify with Christ's death. Christ not only died for sin, bearing its penalty, he died unto sin, breaking its power. Because we are in Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we died with Christ. This means we can have victory. We can have victory over our old sin and the nature that wants to control us. Romans 6, verse 2 says, may it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? We should not be. The next is a result. There's two Actions that we can take a look at there. And the next is a result. Number three, we are hidden in Christ. The perfect tense of the verb stresses the result. So there's a statement and and it's inclusive of the result, the reality of of being hidden in Christ. It's a state of uh, security and safety that believers presently possess because of trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in the past. Dr. A.T. Robertson describes it this way. So here we are in Christ, who is in God, and no burglar, not even Satan himself, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What he is doing is basically summarizing Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39 with that statement. It is like when we hide something uh, of valuable, something that's valuable away in a safe and and secure location, that, that can't be found. Uh, sometimes we even forget where we might have hidden something. It's protected. It's secure. It, it can't be gotten to. That is the picture here of what Christ does with us when we belong to him. We are hidden in Christ. The next result is that we are to live in Christ. Uh, the first part of verse four. Eternal life is Jesus Christ himself. We sometimes tend to think of eternal life as just a heavenly destination, which of course it is. Uh, But in a literal sense, that that certainly is true. One day, believers will go to heaven uh, to do what? To do what? To be with and worship Jesus. 1 John 5 verse 12 says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Someone once said that uh, life uh, is what you are alive to. Life is what you are alive to. A child may come alive when you talk about toys or ice cream. My sons, uh, who are sitting back there, come unhinged, one in particular at the mention of Legos. A teenager may come alive at the mention of a car or money or, well, other things. I'm never going to have teenagers, so I'm going to just plead the fifth on that and not go there. Uh, Weird pastors might come alive at the mention of a certain animal or a C.S. Lewis fictional story. We are 
alive to, we, we live to what we are alive to. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is our life and we are to be alive to anything that relates to Christ. Our result is that we will also be glorified in Christ as we continue on in verse four. Our result is that we will be glorified in Christ. We are, we are alive in Christ now and one day we will be glorified. D.L. Moody used to say, we are to be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. Warren Wiersbe explained what Moody meant uh, by saying that, that the practical everyday affairs of life get their direction from Christ in heaven. It means further that we look at heaven from heaven's point of view. We look at earth from heaven's point of view. This past week in my daily reading of Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, I was struck by the devotion uh, that was about adversity. Adversity and viewing it from uh, an eternal lens, which is what God wants for us uh, to do when we trust in Christ. The earthly and temporal trials uh, that that we all face uh, every day, all the time, uh, will be but a dim blip, a dim blip on the page of our history when we will spend eternity in glory with Christ. We need to remember that. It's hard to when we're in the midst of those things. But even through the difficulties of life, we can enjoy days of heaven upon earth. We can enjoy days of heaven upon earth, Deuteronomy eleven twenty one. when we seek the things above. When we seek the things above, knowing that our eternal destination uh, is there as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul switches gears a little bit. We're, we're talking about what we're to, to put above and, and to put in, but um, we're also to put to death certain things. Therefore, he says it again, are you making the connection? So because of what he just said, therefore this needs to happen. Because of the description we just looked at, this should then be the result. He gives a list of sins. Vices uh, uh, and lists like that are common to Paul's writings. We see them in other places. They, they serve as an example, a reminder. Not, it's not necessarily an all-inclusive list. So if you're looking at that and you don't see your particular sin on there, don't, don't think that you get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card uh, there because that's not what it means. Paul's using this as, as an example for even the terms Paul uses themselves. Those, those words can have points and subpoints underneath them as to what they mean and how they unpack in our life. They give us an idea, an idea of worldly and sinful behavior that should be dead because of our belief in Christ. He says them, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, Greed and idolatry, passion. Why, what, is, what does passion mean? If you're reading along in the NASB, you see passion there. That this doesn't seem like it should be so bad, right? Well, they're all similar in definition. Uh, Paul is, is kind of rotating around uh, the themes of worldly behavior there that, that, that don't reflect Christ in our life. Um, and this one refers to fornication and various levels of involvement of that. Uh, sexual immorality, specifically lust, any type of luxury or loose living. Uh, and passion refers to specifically, while, ta- while addressing those things, an inordinate mind, 
uh, a mind that begins to dwell and live in those behaviors uh, and those vices and those sins. That's the, the passion. You're, you're passionate about living uh, that way and in those sins. A mind that cultivates and contemplates sinful behavior. It's not just falling into it, but creating it and beginning to desire it. That's the evil of passion there. Evil desire, greed, and idolatry. If there is any inaction here, then there's a repercussion. If there's any inaction in putting to death those things, there's going to be a repercussion. This result, God's wrath, differs from, from passionate anger. We see, you know, lots of times in the Old Testament, God demonstrate his wrath upon uh, nations that were attacking Israel in passionate anger. God gets angry with uh, the Israelites and their rebellion and their um, disobedience and, and complaining and all those things. Um, the, the same thing is true here. Wrath is a, more of a settlement in the long term, a continuing revulsion of the holiness of, of God against sin. Paul describes the direction, uh, kind of the recipient of this uh, wrath, it's sons of disobedience. Well, who, who, who is that? What is that? This phrase is interjected here uh, by Paul to remind us, the readers, of who God's wrath applies to. God's judgment falls on those who practice these sins. And as God is no respecter of persons, God wrath, God's wrath will fall again. And it will fall upon the end times, ultimately. It does so in the Gentile world, the world, the world of disbelief, those who do not believe in Jesus because of these sins. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in on unrighteousness. These sins characterize the former life. They characterize the former life of sin and rebellion. Paul says, when you were living in them, so it's, it's in the past, or it's supposed to be, when you were living in them. This is past tense. They can't coexist with a life with Christ. They can't exist with someone who is pursuing spiritual maturity and is all with Christ, and is all in for Christ. They mock God. The wrath of God is reserved for the world, yet if we do not put to death these things, they will bring consequences in our life. I have a statement uh, that, that I've used for a long time now, uh, kind of a truth that just God showed me. I preached on it for Father's Day a few years ago. It, it links back to, to my life and, and my family's life and, and sins of my father and, and how that uh, affected me and extended into to my life today as a constant reminder. There is always a promise in compromise. There's always a promise in compromise. If you look at the word compromise, there you find the word promise. There's always consequence uh, when we compromise God's word. And that's a strong reminder for us in this passage here. Proverbs 6, verse 27 says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not get burned? These things Paul describes here were executed, executed under the blood of Christ. And we have and can know him in victory and, can, and have victory over them. We are to do something else besides put to death. Those things need to be put to death in our life, but there's also another action that Paul uh, describes here, and that is of putting aside 
verses eight and nine. This is an action of of changing clothes. When when we change our clothes, we're taking something off uh, and putting something on. This relates to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he left the grave clothes behind. John chapter 20. Likewise, with the raising of Lazarus, there's a similar occurrence. The grave clothes represent the old life. With sinful habits and and behavior and desires, we, we must put on new clothes of a new life. The last couple of weeks I have mentioned, uh, picking on myself, that, that I'm not the most athletic person in the room and don't desire to be. Um, but I do like to work outside. Uh, I like to, to be outside, and uh, despite all the allergies and everything, we have woods uh, behind our house, and I have made uh, nature paths, nature trails uh, in, in our backyard, probably about a mile's worth at this point, um, for the kids to go out into the woods and, and not get into the poison ivy and other things. There's an ulterior motive there. <laughs> But I tell them to stay on the path. There's a lot of uh, spiritual application to that too. But uh, <clears throat> doing that requires working outside and getting dirty, and getting hot, and getting sweaty. And I, I enjoy the experience of working outside, but I endure those unpleasant things. There is nothing that I enjoy more. And I, and I do so with urgency. When I am done with that project or done working outside, I go and get cleaned up. I get a shower. I get changed. I get those dirty, nasty clothes off and put new ones on. I, I am anxious to do that. That is the same type of, of desire and fervency that we should have to put off and put aside uh, those things that are not of Christ and put on uh, the newness of Christ. We must not only put to death sinful actions, but we must also put off sinful tendencies because all of these grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 through 31 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Two things here, we must completely conquer our sinful attitudes and we must completely control our sinful appearances. We don't do this on our own. We can't just decide one day, I'm not gonna be angry anymore. I'm not gonna be bitter anymore. I'm not gonna say bad things anymore because we don't have that power within us because of the sinful nature. We need Christ working in us. And so Christ, we need to rely on to conquer and to control uh, those sinful things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, lying, all of those things Paul says in verses nine through 10, using a Greek word, a Greek verb here that has finality to it. To put on, to put off should be a once and for all type of action. The essence of what Paul is saying here is that we as believers have had a radical life changing experience in which we have put off the old self with its practices, habits, characteristics, all of those things, and put on a new self. In verses 10 through 14, put on. The result of putting off means we need to put something on. We better, unless maybe you're a five-year-old boy and that concept hasn't developed yet. When we take something off, we need to put something back on. In consequence to the previous verses, the verb renewed describes a continuous action, a process. So how are we to be actively involved in this process? Knowledge, knowledge of God's word. This means we must be being, we must be being in the word. 
in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, by Christ filling us, filling us with his presence, filling us with his word. We are to have the word of Christ in us. That is how we can conquer and control those things. We don't put that in, other things are going to take the place. And we don't put that on, then we're going to have something that isn't authentic. It doesn't look like Christ. Here at the end of verse 11, we find the theme verse I mentioned two Sundays ago when I described the message of Colossians and our study to you. Christ is all and in all. This is a huge reality. At this point in our study of what Paul is connecting to here, <clears throat> verse 11 is a cultural reference. Verse 11 is kind of a stuck in here. It's kind of a, you know, extra thought that Paul has as he's going through this progression of things that we should do and, and not do and put in and, and put out. This, this verse 11 doesn't almost seem to fit. But what Paul is doing is, is giving a, a reminder to the Colossian church and to us of how those things uh, need to, to apply. It indicates our racial, religious, cultural, and social distinctions, which can hinder us from having community with others when we allow prejudice and separation uh, to cloud our relationship. And, and our, those, are, those are things of the old self and not the new self. These distinctions should have no significance to those in Christ. Paul says right there, uh, there's a renewal and none of those things matter. We are to avoid those distinctions because that's how prejudice and, and hate and, and things that can develop to cause a division. The answer to this and many of our problems today is simple, really. Become more like Jesus Christ. Now, I am in no way making light of the complexity of the racial, positional, political, cultural challenges being stirred up by the enemy uh, in, in our world today. They certainly are there. They are, there are historical and practical relevancies and sensitivities to consider. But our response is clear. As believers, we have only one response. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul is once again addressing the matter of circumcised versus uncircumcised. We counter, and we encountered this issue as a spiritual pitfall uh, last week, believing Jews versus uh, non-Jewish believing people. Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 15 instructs us clearly and succinctly, for neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. There is no advantage or disadvantage to any of the persons or positions uh, Paul describes here. We are one in Christ for those that are in Christ, and that is the first and final issue. The world views race through an entirely foreign and finite lens, one that is not God's. We cannot be fooled into the same prejudices and problems the world would have. We need to respond in love. We need to respond in love and with the love and message of the gospel, always and always. Above and beyond in summary to this, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving, all these things that sound really good but are hard to do. The most important quality to put on is love. We see Paul devotes an entire section of scripture, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, to discuss love and what it is and what it looks like and how it applies and affects our lives. It creates a perfect bond of unity. 
It helps us to bear with one another. Last week, we talked about the importance of that in the church and how it must be present. It must be evident for us to to be encouraged, really. Our hearts should be encouraged by uh, the ability to bear with one another in love in Christ Jesus. We are brought together in love. It is through these characteristics that the evidence of our faith and life in Christ will be shown as all with Christ. Paul also says that we are to put something in, verses 15 through 16. And, and there's two things, really, uh, that he, he concludes that, that are actions that we are not only to put on, but to put in. What do we need in, inside of us? We're putting something on, uh, the, the appearance of, of Christ in our life. Well, we need something in. They are the controls of the new life. The first is a piece of Christ in verse 15. There's references here for the same idea in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 9, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and, and Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, the importance of the peace of Christ, the peace that he brings in our life. There's actually three qualities of this peace that is being uh, expressed here in this verse. The first is divine peace. It protects the hearts and minds of believers. When we have divine peace uh, in our life, our, our minds and, and hearts are, are protected against the, the things that would discourage, the things that would distract, the things that would come against us. We have a, a divine peace that is centered back to Christ. We also have a ruling peace. This is a Greek word uh, that means to act as an umpire. So this peace that Paul is describing here uh, means both divine and ruling, and this divine peace should constantly uh, regulate all of our activities of the believer. If we have a divine peace within us uh, that that guards our hearts and minds, then then our actions and, and the things that come out of our life should be ruled by that same peace. There's also a unifying peace. This peace expresses all three aspects here. All believers are called to one body, to a position of peace and a practice of peace within the church, within the true church, the way that it is meant to function. The second area that we are to put in is the words of Christ in verse 16. We see two words come up again that Paul used in chapter one, admonishing and teaching. Admonishing is a connotation of confronting with the intent of changing someone else's attitudes and and actions. Yeah, there we go. There's a few of us in here that that like that, Pastor Michael. But this does not mean laying the smack down, as as I sometimes uh, can, can enjoy doing. We need to not get excited about that because that's not what that means here. We tend to have problems with this approach. Paul tells us repeatedly elsewhere in Scripture how we are to admonish. We are to do so in love. We are to do so in love. This is a place where I continually grow in. The term here speaks to a guiding of correct course and action. A guiding of correct course and action. Love can be firm and still be love. A wishy-washy love, when firm love is needed, is not love that brings about godliness. He says teaching. As we grow in maturity, we are to teach others. 
Notice that Paul is not saying all should preach to others, but we have a responsibility to not just hold on to the things that we're learning and the things that we're growing. We are to take that and teach others also uh, so that they can grow in their maturity in Christ. He says, singing with thanksgiving. Thankful people acknowledge the working of the sovereign will of God in their lives and circumstance through song and spiritual psalms and and singing and thankfulness, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We are also to put forth in verse 17. This is kind of a a summary verse of of everything else that Paul has been talking about. The the whole reason that we're doing this is not for ourselves, not for our benefit, but the name of Christ. Do all in the name of Jesus. We are to put forth the name of Christ. This is our life of testimony and obedience. Uh, We bear the name of Christ as believers in him. The the rest of the passage uh, really deals with our motives, It asks the question of why we should put off our old deeds and the qualities of of this new life uh, and and have the qualities of this new life. Paul tells us how to to exercise grace and how to surrender and how to submit and how to obey, all of these things, because we are to put unto the Lord in verses uh, 18 through chapter four, verse one, put unto the Lord our relationships, Paul finishes out this section by turning from character and more towards conduct. How to make this a reality? What does it look like in reality? We do this by letting the peace of Christ preside in our lives. We have the peace of Christ in our hearts. We will be at peace with others. We are also to let the word of Christ be at home with us and dwell in us. And when this happens, we'll be thankful in our hearts and able to worship in truth. The way that we live our lives before the Lord and with others will will be clear and will be authentic. We live out obedience to Christ, not under compulsion or duty, but in freedom and thanksgiving and devotion to him. We signify spiritual maturity uh, in our lives when we live at this level of all with Christ. We know that there are are things radically wrong within our homes today. We know that there is an attack in the workplace that continues to intensify against believers more today than in any time in, in anyone in this room's lifetime. But this should not deter or daunt us. Confucius was quoted as saying, the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. You see, the the secular humanistic uh, culture doesn't even listen to its own origins. I mean, really, Confucius got it right, but the lost world uh, today doesn't. It contradicts itself. We should expect the world to act lost. But when a follower of Christ who in the home and workplace and marketplace acts just as lost as the world, why are we surprised at the mess we're in? Watch the summary of takeaways here as we wrap up. Love and submission. He's talking about the illustration and example of marriage. What should be taking place in marriage? Love and submission. Encouragement and obedience. Family and children. Paul's talking about the relationship uh, of a father to their children and and how children are to obey. There should be encouragement and obedience taking place uh, within that construct. Honesty and devotion. In, this, in our social aspects and in the workplace. That's what Paul is talking about here. He summarizes again by restating what he said in verse 17. Verse 23 says, rather than for men. When we have that perspective, we're not gonna go wrong so easily in, in those other areas. 
As I said, these last few verses are are part of the message that deserve a ton of attention and in context of the message today, they serve as a a summary uh, and an example. We're not going to dive deep into them. But we do need to grasp, uh, grasp this today. The best proof of living an all with Christ life is through obedience, putting our lives before him in submission and surrender. There's the old saying that goes, the proof is in the pudding. Well, for believers in Christ, the proof is in the putting. That wasn't actually supposed to be funny. The other services didn't laugh at that. Okay, I'm glad you guys are listening. The study today, here in chapter three, reflects on the action and resulting relationship of a believer's life all with Christ. Jesus carries out the action on our behalf and in our life and in response, there is to be a result that reflects Christ. It is when we fail to fully put off the things that are contrary to God and completely put on the things of Christ in us that we become irrelevant to the world and look like we are more all in the world rather than all in Christ. Paul repeatedly says we are to be set apart. We are called to be authentic, but when we piecemeal together elements of the Christian life of what we want that are easy, we are comfortable with, don't want, we are never going to look like the real thing. We are not going to find the upward call of Christ Jesus, but rather be stuck somewhere in nothing land. I want to end the, the sermon with, a, with an illustration to kind of help connect the dots and show what it, what it really is like and the expectation we have of something authentic. Three years ago, a VBS, summer of 2019, we had a special guest uh, at that VBS who became a good friend of mine. We uh, spent a lot of time together and, uh, during that week, and well, I thought today's message would be uh, a great way to bring him back to help make a final point of application. Zion the lion was pretty epic. And I thought showing the real thing is the, how, how the real thing is the real thing would be equally epic today. So talking about Zion and his time at VBS at Crosslink wouldn't do all of you uh, any favors because some of you weren't even here for, for that VBS to know what in the world I'm talking about. And so I, I, I worked with our deacons. I asked our trusty deacon team to, to wrangle him for us uh, and and. He's uh, backstage waiting. So Zion, uh, Zion, it, it's time to come out. I'm so glad uh, that, that the deacons uh, got you here. Welcome to Crosslink. Zion, come on out. Uh, um, th- that's not Zion. Did you, that, that's a cute paper plate though. Did you color that yourself, Spencer? Um, <laughs> no, I did it. Guy, uh, Spencer, I, I asked you guys to get Zion. That's, that's a paper plate. Best you could do. I think we're going to need some more deacons on the team as we go into next year. Uh, Zion, I, I know you're back there somewhere. I, I saw you earlier. What? what um, whoa. I hope someone has a camera. You, you know, you kind of look lionish with the with the mane and and everything, but uh, you're not Zion. Where, where's Zion? Where is he? What's he doing? Uh, um, guys. Uh, You can't pretend to be Zion looking like that. Uh, uh, Zion, come on out. Where are you? Oh, my goodness. What is that? Um, Wow, that's another VBS flashback right there. The last time I saw that, uh, kids were throwing money into it. Um, Justin, what are you guys doing? Zion, 
Zion, are you back there? This is not, these are not Zions, okay? Don't be disappointed. Um, Zion, come on out. Zion, oh, there we go. Zion, there we go. Zion, welcome back to Crosslink. I'm so, uh, whoa, don't knock me over. Or tear off the mic. Everybody meet Zion the lion. Zion, you made my day by being here. I had an expectation of you being here and the real thing. And I guess, uh, I don't know, uh, hopefully you didn't get loose. Zion? Uh, yeah. Hopefully we still have a good relationship with the fairgrounds and you didn't get into the cows over there. What were you doing back there? Anyway, I'm glad that uh, Zion is here because talking about him, trying to represent him um, by those other means, you wouldn't have gotten the authentic experience of Zion, uh, of, who Zion of who Zion is uh, and, and his relationship to me and, and how excited I was to, to see him. Um, thank you so much for being here. You know, you really helped to make that point. You know, we can't go through having, you know, Zion, I think you got some hair in my mouth from when you hugged me. That didn't happen in the first two services. Um, couldn't talk there. Zion, you, you helped illustrate the point because we, we can't go around trying to put a facade of, of other things and say that we're the real thing, that we're the real Zion the lion, or that we're a real believer in Jesus Christ. Zion, thanks. I'll, I'll see you later, man. I'm glad you're here, okay? You, you can head backstage now. No? What? We're, we're done with the illustration. Hee, kitty, kitty, kitty. Zion, it's time to go. Hee, kitty. What, what is that? Zion, where are you? There you are, Zion. I have been hey. looking all over for you. Dr. Digsworth, welcome Hello, back. Hello, church. Wow. It's good to see this you again. I hate to see you under these circumstances. Zion, you're being very naughty. I need you in the back. <clears throat> Dr. Digsworth, thanks for helping let's out. Let's go, let's go. Pastor Michael, we, have a great need, day. We Come needed on. Dr. Digsworth's help to wrangle Zion the Lion. This is going to be forever infamously known as the VBS Throwback Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, where are you at with your walk with Christ? Are you reflecting him? Does your life look like Christ on the outside? Are you all in? Are you all too? Are you all with Christ? Or are there some parts, many parts, maybe even just one part that is not fully surrendered to being always and always Christ? Perhaps you're here today and, and you don't yet know Christ and, and all of this talk of being with Christ, uh, there, there's something missing there. You're trying to go through life with uh, uh, you're making it on your own and, and, and dealing with the struggles and challenges and, and the world around us that, that is lost, you know, it's mine and it's crazy. It's because it's sinful and needs Jesus. And it needs us to tell us about Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment uh, that today is the day where you find victory for all life's struggles and challenges and, and for all eternity, victory and life in Christ. At the very end of the service, there'll be uh, some of our deacons, not the ones that were trying to be lions, um, but uh, uh, deacons that would love to pray with you. If, you're, if you have a prayer need today and, and are struggling and, and need encouragement, uh, they'll be up front here as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Jesus, I'm so thankful uh, for who you are and what you've done for us. God, I'm thankful for your word, which is truth and shows us how we are to live and why we are to put to death and put aside uh, these things that, that are contrary to life with you. God, I pray for the believer in the room today who needs to, to, to say the words of the songs we sang earlier, that there, there is nothing else that will do, that we need you, Lord Jesus. I pray that, that we would have more of you and less of ourselves. And God, I pray if there's an area of life that, that needs to be surrendered, that the, the believer's life needs to be submitted to you, God, that they would do that today. Lord, I pray for the individual here that, that has been listening to this message and seeing how, yeah, the, the church needs to act and, and look like Christ. And, and, and the, there's so much uh, strife and division and how there can be peace and unity and saving life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for, for that individual that, uh, that they would realize that the thing that's missing, the thing that has, they've been trying to do on their own or fill their life up with is never going to be fulfilling, is never going to be complete. They need you, Lord Jesus. And so I pray that, that they would confess their, their sins and, and ask you to rescue them and, and seek forgiveness, Lord, and, and restoration and the newness of life. God, we, we commit our time to you now. Lord, as, as we look forward to what lies ahead, help us to be ready. Help us to be ready for the ministry uh, that you have before us in the, in the weeks and, and days and, and years to come, Lord. May we be all in and all to and, and all with Christ so that we can be all for Christ in what you've called us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.